right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Garage Talk. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, at this point, we're honestly about 20, 21 episodes in. We're doing pretty good, I think. Um, this week, I was speaking with a friend of mine, GR, and we were discussing uh, what it's like to actually start over professionally at 40. Um, and I wanted to bring him on today and talk about it. Um, I, I don't have any, I guess, real personal experience starting over professionally. I've been in the same profession, the same field for 28 years. I don't really have any intention of starting over. I'm not headed down that road. I didn't have the same drive. I didn't have the same uh, vision, I guess, as GR. So uh, let me start in by welcoming you back, GR. I appreciate you coming back on with me, bro. Hey, man. Thanks. It's always great to be on. 21 episodes. Congrats. Thanks, dude. I know I'm pretty freaking stoked. I'm like, I can't believe that I'm, I'm closing in on a thousand listens right now, which is freaking cool as hell to me. Dude, that is super rad. And hey, I've been, been fortunate to be on a handful of episodes, so it's always a good time. No, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, so, so I wanted to bring you on today because I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to, you know, it's, it's, it's out of my wheelhouse with regards to starting over and, and deciding, you know what, I'm going to take a left or I'm going to take a right. Um, my yeah. lefts and rights have always been within my profession. So, so if you don't mind, I mean, let go back, go back and tell me, you know, where you started, why weren't you happy? What, what when did your vision become your vision and, and why did you begin to go down this road? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, our generation, we went to high school. We were told, to, told, you know, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job, you're going to work, and one day you're going to retire, right? Right. That, that, was, that was the plan that was laid out for us, and we were told that as kids. And that's, and, kind, of, that's kind of the road I'm heading down. <laughs> right? Exactly. I, mean, I, I bought into that. Now, there's, there, every now and then, I think there comes along some, some people that just don't fit in that mold. I happen to be one of them, and... What's funny is I think that even way back in grade school, I, I kind of have this feeling that I didn't fit into that mold, that it wasn't for me. I wasn't particularly thrilled about what teachers were telling me and what I had to do. And and I mean, this is way back in elementary school. If you can go um, back to that time, if you can go back and think, you know, what were, what was going through your mind back then that would make you feel like you didn't? It was just like... None, none of this, all the, all the rule following and taking a test just to do the next thing and to do the next, it just didn't feel right to me. I felt like there was more, like that there was always more to the game Okay, that, that we were just kind of being molded to, to act and think a certain way is, is how I've always felt. We were being um, molded to be the last generation for this generation, right? I guess. Yeah, you know um, what I mean? I, we were, we were molded to be like them for the more indoctrination kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, just hey, um, we're going to school to become a bunch of worker bees, right? And and that to me just never felt right. It it just it was never a good fit for me. And for me, that meant not liking school. Even though if uh, up until I'd say the eighth grade, I was on the honor roll and I got the good grades and all that stuff. And uh -huh. and um, but then eighth grade came around and I just really just didn't want to do it anymore. And 
and my my grades took a downward spiral and school was definitely a struggle and I made it out by the skin of my teeth and probably a little bribing <laughs> to be honest. You know what's funny about that is I was the same way when it came to school. I don't know that I ever had those thoughts, but I mean I when when I was in high school, I I never did my homework. Everybody else did their homework and I always thought that hey, you know, I'm just waiting around after school until they're ready to go. I didn't realize they were actually home doing homework. Right. No, and I look right. back in that now and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I had like three hours to do homework, just waiting for people. And I was waiting and I was waiting and I was waiting. And all of a sudden they call and I'd be like, I'm out. And I graduated high school with a 1.86 grade point average. I, I was mean, probably somewhere in that. Yeah, right. It was my horrible. Senior year in high school, I was taking a zero period my six regular periods, a seventh period, and night school to make up credit so I could oh, graduate. I did night school from ninth grade on at, um, oh, uh, um, God, La Puente, uh, the, the adult school out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I, I, my last week of high school as a senior, I was ditching classes to go to detention in the office to serve detention for ditching class. <laughs> and and That's my funny. and my counselor recommended I do that so that I could get them on the book as long as my mom would be okay with it and she was like whatever whatever gets you out of high school. <laughs> that is so yeah, funny. It's pathetic. But so so you 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 know you know the feeling then at least yeah, right? It's yeah. like oh this is not for me. I'm not doing this. And um that that's kind of where I was and um even even back then, to me, I, I honestly, seriously, I won't say who did it, and, but I paid people to do my homework when I was in <laughs> high school. <laughs> yeah, I just gave up. <laughs> I, I literally would, I, I literally paid people to do my homework so that I could get the grades, so that I could get out of class or get out of high school, get the diploma and move on. And then, but even with that, we still had to go into the workforce and it wasn't really much different, right. obviously. Right. So, um, you know, I, I did the, I did the odd, the odd job type of stuff, worked for in and out burger, did that kind of thing. Um, and then at some point, um, I actually was called on by a friend that I knew from high school and he goes, he, he was working for his parents in an insurance job. Um, and he goes, Hey, uh, you know, why don't you come work over here? We can get you in, in the mail room, maybe work your way up, stuff like that. And huh. at the time I was young and anytime you throw a couple bucks at somebody, you're like, yeah, I'll take the 50 cent dollar an hour raise. You know, right. For sure. Hour raise. Yeah. You know, you're jumping on that. So I, I went that route and that's kind of where I learned, you know, how to work in an office and, and that sort of thing. And I moved up from the mail room and became an underwriter and started learning how to underwrite insurance um, a little bit. And then what age, um, what age was that at? Oh, I was good grief. My young twenties, okay. mid twenties, something like that. Probably about mid twenties, somewhere in there. I can't, it's been so. So that was, that was after I knew you. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Absolutely. You had already moved, I believe. Right. Gotcha. Um, so I did that for a little bit and, and that was all right. But, um, you know, decided, okay, it's time to go onward and upward from here. And I got a job at a local um, marketing company in Rancho Mirage. And that's where I kind of got my my taste for being a marketer. I really loved it. It was really cool. Now, granted, it's not what marketing is today because that was back back in, I guess, the late 90s. Right. 
and it, there, the internet wasn't what it is now. So it, we're talking totally different, totally different gig. Yeah, I but got you. It, it was really interesting to me, and I loved it. It was, it was a good thing, but it just didn't pay much. What kind of marketing so, was that? Um, basically, what I was doing is I was reaching out to companies and doing like um, I would we would do like things like put their put their logos and give them uh, like disposable cameras and kind of all that kind of chatsy, you know, kind of swag type of shit, you know? And and not Cutco knives. (laughs) None of that. I totally remember that. That was a good time. (laughs) That was We were young and dumb. That was just the dumbest thing. Um, So basically from there, I was like, okay, this is cool. But now, at this point in my life, I had kids, right? right, I, right. I, I, I think I had at least one or two. And um, it was like, I got to start really doing something with myself. And at that time, I mean, the the Palm Springs desert area, I mean, it was really suppressed as far as making good money. Unless, I mean, it's just a town where people came to retire. Yeah, isn't right? it still? Is I mean, I, I don't remember. I mean, you go out there and it's, you know, unless you own a hotel, you just work at the hotel, right? So I, mean, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you, but it's kind of pretty much mm-hmm. how it is. So I was out, I was looking for more. And then Joe, uh, a mutual friend of ours um, at this time, he, he was calling me like every six months and telling me, hey, bro, I could use some help over here. Um, I'm, I'm in the title insurance industry. Right. I'm like, oh. I don't know what the fuck title insurance is and that's kind of sounds scary to me. So no. And then he'd call me again six months later and he'd be like, seriously, bro, come on. I can teach you. Let's do this. And I'd be like, yeah. And I'd shine him on for a little bit longer. And then one day it just kind of, he hit me up again and it kind of clicked. Right. I, was just I, like, I know what year that right. was. That was, What's- that was 2002. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know it was. <laughs> I remember where I was working at the same time. Yeah. I'm I'm like, all right, cool. Um, let me, let me figure this out. Let me, let me go see what it's all about. So I make uh-huh. the drive down to Orange County. Right. And, and, um, I, I already had the job right. by the time I got there. Um, you, you worked with us for a brief time. So right, you remember right. Jerry. Yes. And by the time I got there, I, I was already hired. I just didn't know it. And so she gives me the rundown and I'm like, oh, oh, cool. I'm going to make that much money and get a bonus on top of that. Right. And if the work isn't really that hard and I get to work with my homies. Yeah, sign me for up. sure. <laughs> so that that to me was really cool. Right. And it's funny because the, the, the real estate and mortgage industry is really well known for taking people who don't have college degrees and giving them an opportunity to work in a high paying environment. Right. And so it's like, and network and grow. Yeah. And network and grow. Absolutely. So it was like, sure, let me jump on this. And Mm -hmm. obviously it was in the middle of the, of the, um, of the mortgage boom. Yeah. So everybody was happy. Money was flying around and we were, we were at this point in our late twenties and early thirties and, um, you know, things were great, right? We right. had, we had young families and, and money's flying everywhere. So everything's cool. And luckily for me at that point in time, and when I was just getting started, like I said, it was with friends and like-minded people. 
and we were in a niche in national titles. So right. we were building something under the radar and it was new. So it felt like I was an entrepreneur in a way. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got so, you. Yeah. So that was really cool. However, as you, we, you know, move, move along and in the tile industry, you know, it, it's not always very stable. Sometimes, you know, they get to a point where like, okay, numbers are down. We're going to get rid of uh, 50 people this, this month. Right. That's what um, happened with me. Sure. Yeah. And so that was, luckily I had learned enough to at least make myself marketable and, and employable the in the industry. Mm-hmm. So I always found a way to land somewhere and that was cool, but it, it just never really felt like it was for me outside of that initial environment I walked into. Right. I got um, you. Yeah. And so after that, it was like, Oh man, this is a grind. This sucks. And I'm not, it, it doesn't feel new. It doesn't feel exciting. And it, I mean, the title industry is a really old, slow moving industry as it is. Um, so it, it just grinded on me. Then it got to 2008. Uh-huh. And oh yeah. Now, not only was it a grind, but there was no money in it. Right. Everything crashed. <laughs> Everything crashed. Yeah. So, um, again, I was at least able to take my skills over to the REO side of things and I'm running my own shop and, and doing this, doing this thing. And it was just, it was terrible. It, it, I did not, I wasn't happy. I was coming home. It was long hours. Um, the, it was on the REO side of things. My customers are Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. And if they don't like the way, you know, you ate your lunch, they're getting ready to throw you under the bus. Right. And they're out. And, and, and all they care about are their numbers. And, and it's just like, it was just not for me. And at that time, it's what I thought I wanted. Right. And at it's, the same time, at that point, you're in the corporate world, which is not where you're comfortable. Exactly. Right. And not I hear you. that yeah. is, I'm sucked in because I, I've built this life for myself. I've got my family and I've got my responsibilities and I got all these things. And I yeah. go, it's like, well, well, I can't get the hell out because I'm sucked in. And so that's, at least that's what I thought, especially at that time, there weren't the same opportunities that there are now. Right. And so, so this was 2008 to what, say 2011 2000, or so. 11, 12-ish, right? right? So about 11 because what, and I'll tell you. So that um, puts you after, at 39 going on 40, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking at this point, um, at this point, I'm just like, oh man, I remember sitting in my office, you know, I looked to my assistant and I think I told this story um, on one of your previous podcasts. I look at him and I'm like, oh dude, we got, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something more. Right. And that's kind of where AppTech Group started is I'm like, oh, dude, you, you got a laptop? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, bring it tomorrow. We're going to stay late and we're going to figure something out. And that's right. how I was born. Um, and that was 2011, but like I was saying before, dude, I, I have a family, I've got obligations, yeah. I've got bills, um, I've got responsibilities, so I can't really just jump out at that time. And um, so I, I went through the grind, and title really at the end of the day still was not for me. I'm searching for something more, and I end up kind of moving out of title and into going over to take my underwriting talents over to a financial services company. And quite honestly, at that time, I thought that that move 
I was really trying to force myself to go towards being a full-time entrepreneur because I kind of had AppTech Group as a side gig when, before I really knew what a side gig was. It was, right. you know, and so that was really what it was. And I was going to force myself to make a move. And I was like, okay, I'll be here a year and then I'll have this AppTech Group thing running in full speed ahead. And that's what I'm going to do. And it didn't work out that way. Right. So it went from just being a stepping stone to six years later. I'm still in this damn thing. I'm still in this corporate environment and I'm hating it. I'm, I'm totally hating it because this company that I'm at now, this financial services company, they're trying to set themselves up for being acquired by a bigger company. The, the the CEOs were two co-CEOs that were in their late 60s. Uh-huh. They were about done. They were looking for an exit. So there's a lot of restructuring going on. There's all kinds of things. I was moved into an entirely different um, department from I was a I was a compliance manager reporting to the CEO. And then I was kicked downstairs into operations saying, oh, you guys, you'll be able to help down here. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> And this was and, all within, so you started, you started AppTech 2011. You're talking, this is 2017-ish that all this is yeah. happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is all happening about 2017-ish because around two, 2012, I, I started over here at this financial services company and oh. I've been there for six years. Right. When I, when I ultimately left 2017-ish, whatever. So I get kicked down into the operations and finally one day I'm told, you know what? Your um, your position's been dissolved. We don't no long we don't any longer have a need for you. And it's like, well, shit. What do I do now? Right. And I had abject and uh, now just, during this period of time, have you been had you been doing stuff with Aptech? I mean, you, I if, had, as I remember, I, you've been doing a little bit here and there, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing drastic with AppTech at that point, right? Oh, no, no, not at all. It was just a little bit here and there. I was I was kind of just doing a project every maybe one or two projects a year, right. if that. Um, and, 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 and then that would be like a big project. There'd be a ton of little projects in there, but nothing substantial like you're saying. So it, it just wasn't there. But then I'm thinking to myself, I'm leaving this company. I'm getting a chunk of change to leave, uh-huh. right? I'm going to give myself some runway and I'm going to do this app tech group thing because I'm unhappy. I remember you I'm, telling me about that. I remember you telling me that you had enough to get through to like August or November or something like that. It was just, it was this, it was actually, it was in December, January. Okay. And, and this, exactly, what, what year was this? That was 2017. Okay. Yeah. And so, so 2017, 2017 2018, something like, it'll be two. So, Appset Group, full on, full time, will be two years in April. Okay, so that was that was 2018 then. 2018, yeah. yeah. So 2018, you decided to go full on into Aptech and go to town with that. What go to town with that? And the 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 deciding factor, and it was funny because, um, what when I when I separated and and had this idea that I was going to do it, um. I didn't ever think anybody was good. My wife was going to be on board. Right. Um, yeah. That's, that's a tough sell, right? It's always a tough yeah, sell. For sure. And, and the thing is she watched me all these years be super miserable, like just dying to do something more. 
And so I figured it was right at that time because she gave me the thumbs up. She said, you know what? Do it for a couple months. Now, I knew when she said that that a couple months wasn't feasible. Enough, like, right. It's going to take a lot longer of course, than yeah, that. For sure. But I wasn't going to argue the thumbs up. Well, yeah, you're getting the okay. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I wasn't going to argue the thumbs up at all. So, so I did. And, and the one thing that I realized um, that there are more people and we've seen it with other friends of ours who were, who have gone through the title insurance industry for 25 years yep. and were unceremoniously let go. Yeah. Yeah. That just happened recently. Yeah. For sure. Just recently happened. And so there's got to be a lot more guys out there like us that either don't have the choice because they're being let go or just, or are being fired or they're at these crossroads after 40. And they have more to offer. Yeah. And the thing is, is the great thing about right now, this point in time today, is there are so many more opportunities and because of the internet and because of the landscape of, of what's going on out there as far as um, the entrepreneurial landscape. So you, you can, the way I like to put it is there, there are a lot of guys, once you hit 40, and I think you can agree that once you kind of hit 40, you kind of start pulling back a little bit and you start thinking retirement. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're starting to, you're starting to think of what am I going to do once I'm done with this shit? Right. It's, you know, where am I in 25 years? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I put in another 15 to 20, maybe 25, whatever that is. Yeah, for sure. But now you're starting to make those plans. And what I like to say now that I've made this switch and, and jumped into this crazy fucking thing called entrepreneurship is that I like to say that if you, if you're open to that, what you got to do is forget about retiring and then rewire. So rewire brain to take that chance. It's okay. You know, there, there there's so many resources out there to um, get insurance and take care of the family and, and make sure that you have, you know, all cylinders rolling as far as your responsibilities um, that we didn't have before. But now let's, let's, let's take that back just a little bit. It's, it's, I mean, that, that sounds great. And, and I'm not speaking for me. I'm not speaking for you. I'm speaking as somebody who, who maybe doesn't know, doesn't understand. I mean, you you know, I've owned a couple businesses in my life and I could have, I could have gone head on with those businesses, but those businesses didn't just come out of nowhere. Those businesses, just like, just like Aptech, those were set up while I was working full-time doing something else. And it got to a point with those. Um, and the, the one that I would really quote would be BizTech with, that I did with Joe. That got to a point where we either had to quit our jobs and do that full-time or call it what it was as a side gig and let it kind of die down to nothing if that's what it became. And that's what we chose to do. But right. like right now, if, if I quit my job or if I lost my job right now, I can't just jump into the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, you have to do some prep, right? You, I mean, you got to, you have to be thinking about that prior to, you have to be, you have to be, you said, you know, instead of retire, rewire, but you also have to be pre-wired to do that kind of thing. It's not, it's, that's not for everybody. Not everybody can just well, do that. I mean, right. if, if somebody absolutely- really has the drive and wants to do it like you do, then they could. But 
somebody else, you know, and I, I'm thinking of, you know, six or seven other people. I don't want to say their names because I don't want to sound insulting. I could personally do that, but I would need to set it up now so that in five years I could rewire. But well, here's the thing, you're right, okay? Um, to your point, it's not for everybody. Right. Um, and what I would say, though, is that if you're going to take a chance at this stage in the game, it's not as scary as it looks is what I'm saying. I think there's so many that, so many that look at it and be like, well, I can't. Now, look, I know that few and far between that there are um, there are these big hits of, and what I mean by big hits is there there are youngsters, there are yeah. kids in their teens and their early twenties that are out there and creating opportunities for themselves and making six seven figures at a young age. Now, right. Now, I know that's a small minority, but there's a lot more than there ever was. Yeah. And these are the kids that don't have the experience of somebody who's been doing it for 20 years, 30 years. So I, I think that because of the landscape today, there's more opportunity. I also and what I mean by rewire is just like you're saying, it, it is a scary proposition, but the, the water's not as deep as one might think now because it's different than when we grew up. Right. I'm saying, I'm saying prep time. It's not now, now think in terms of what we've been talking about, right? So you set up app tech in 2011, you didn't go full on an app tech until 2018. That was seven years that you had to begin to build contacts even slowly. It's, it's a, it's quite a different thing to rush into it. And, and I know that from experience. So I got laid off in 2003, right? This is, this is how I remember the time that, that you were that first hired with Joe and, and I was, you know what I mean? And I started working with you guys in 2003 in between that time I got laid off. And, and what happened was I was teaching at a, a private college. It was a crappy private college. And I taught there for a year and the state came in one day and said, you guys are no longer a business. I'm sorry. Your students right. need to find somewhere else to go. Employees are gone. I got laid off that day. Done. I was out. And so I had to find quick something to do. And so what I did is in my profession, we call it a registry. It's essentially a staffing agency, right? Mm -hmm. For the healthcare community. And so what I did was because that's my profession, I'm in healthcare. I ran out and got these contracts. I started an LLC. I started, but I had to do it quick. And I, you know, I had, I had payroll, I had the LLC, I had an office, I had, uh, I had a work phone, which was a cell phone, which was unheard of at the time. Um, well, but that was my work phone. And I had, and I, I went out and established like three contracts and I was the worker. And so I had payroll paying me and then I was putting the rest of the money into that. So that's kind of how I was getting by. Um, I remember at the time, I think it was Albertsons, their warehouse in like Riverside was going on strike and I staffed with scabs, the entire warehouse. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have any way to make payroll. And so it's, it's difficult to go from no business to boom, I have this business and I got to make payroll. That's a tough thing to do. And it's boom. It's, it's difficult to go from no business. I kind of fell into, I fell into the, the, uh, Albertson contract at the time, maybe it was Vaughn's, but I think it was Albertson's. I fell into that contract. Just, I happened to hear about it. I made a call to the corporate office said I can staff you. And they were like, how many can you send? I said, how many do you need? And they said, I'll take as many as you can send. I sent like 120 people that night from like Riverside community college. It was really funny. 
And I worked out a contract, got it signed, got the people sent out. I got lucky, right? And me being able to do that and start making a little bit of money, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to really survive. Um, and, and that was literally within a couple days of being laid off that I was able to do that. But if that contract hadn't been there, I wouldn't have been able to pull that off that quick. So it's something that when I say pre-wire, it's something that you have to, you have to decide now, hey, in the future, I'd like to do this. So well, I'm going to so, start it now and I'm going to work up to that. I mean, it's not something you can necessarily jump into. I guess some things you can, but most things you can't, right? So, well, I, I don't know the answer to that. I would say that it's more of a, what are you willing to do to make it work type of a thing? Right. Because let, let's face it. If you're trying to build a business and not have a change in lifestyle, that's not, that's not going to work. You can't understood, understood. Right. So you have to be, you, when I say rewire, you have to be willing to now go back to being uncomfortable. You have to now be willing to sell your car. You have to now be, which I did. I sold two cars Mm -hmm. um, and, and then moved down from a two car to one car um, and, and made it work. And so um, went that route. Um, you have to be willing to um, adjust the things that you do and when you do them and why you do them and, and right. your budget. You you have to resolve yourself to you're no longer going to live that lifestyle you're used to to make it work. And there, some people are willing to do that. Some people aren't. And that's fine. Now, I think um, I think as a Gen Xer, which you and I are, it's yeah. easier to accept that than it is for the younger generation. So what advice would you give them? And that's, that's where I'm trying to go with this with is the, you know, you know, you're working your job right now, whatever your job is right now, if you want to break out of that, eventually now's the time to plan. Now's the time to start the business. Now's the time to start making contacts. You can make contacts even in what you're doing right now so that when it's time to break out and you're ready to rock, you can have less of a loss and you can be a little less uncomfortable if that makes sense, less uncomfortable, more comfortable with that change. So maybe you have to sell the car. Maybe you have to downgrade. Maybe you have to do these things, but it won't be to the extreme. And unfortunately, millennials, it won't be to the extreme that a Gen Xer is comfortable with. Well, so here's right? the thing. Like for to, to, to millennials and Generation Z, to Gen Z, mm-hmm. honestly, they're already doing it anyway. So I say keep doing it. Live with your parents longer. Or if oh, don't you don't say that. Don't, parents, hey, shh, calm down, bro. We both have kids no, right there. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I want them out as fast as you do. <laughs> yeah, bro. Believe you me. However, if, and I've told my kids this, I go, look, if you need to, if you have a purpose and there's something you're doing, hey, the door's always open. Yeah, that's, that's true. That My parents were the same way. You know, I mean, yeah. Also, also the fact that even if you're the, even if you're like, okay, I don't want to stay with my parents. Well, then you know what? Maybe you don't need to get the cool condo may, you know, by yourself and right. one other person. Maybe you need to get five of your buddies, live off the top ramen, which we did anyway. Yeah, when we were for younger. sure. So that, that, that's all there is to it. I didn't even um, cook it because I didn't want to do dishes. <laughs> yeah, I ate it as chips. Story. Yeah, so, you were there. <laughs> I mean, there. There's so many opportunities out there now if you want it. And that's okay. Look, there's always going to be a need for 
for people to work the nine to five grind. And we need those people and, and we need those people to um, make, make this world go around and punch a clock and also work for the people who are the entrepreneurial minded. Right. right. Yes. So we're going to need a staff of people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get shit done for you. And we celebrate those people and we love those people. But for the ones that feel trapped, for the ones that look at a situation and go, yeah, I'm over that. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. answer to somebody I that that's just going to, you know, I don't want to play the politics. I don't want to, um, right, right. I don't want to run the rat race. I, I don't want to have to, you know, sit there and be called to the, the lunchroom and watch a bunch of people smile and sing happy birthday to three people <laughs> every month <laughs> because, because it's their, it's their birthday, birthday month. Yeah, yeah. Because of birthday month. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like that that shit just kills me and it's what grinds me to a halt. And I know I'm not the only one. And the cool thing is is nowadays I meet so many more people that are like that. And but now along those along those same lines, right? You just said I, I I need so many people that so many more people that aren't like that. Um, that are like that. Or that's what I meant. That are like that. I'm sorry, forgive me. Um some of those people are working for you, right? Yeah. And those people do a great job. Absolutely. So those people, you want to be able to break out eventually someday, sure. But in the meantime, you have a morale issue you have to deal with, right? That you don't deal with in the corporate world because the corporate world doesn't give a shit. You're a dime a dozen. There's a thousand of you, right? How do you deal with that with these people that are working for you? Well, the cool thing is... I, because I don't necessarily like that corporate model and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even necessarily want to be a boss. The way I was, I set up my company is I don't actually have employees. I have people that I work, that work with me, not for me. Okay. So, gotcha. Um, I contract the work out. And if I run into people that like working with me and it's a good fit and we enjoy um, you know, each other's work and pushing each other and that kind of a thing, they actually have the opportunity um, to actually become a partner in AppTech Group and share in revenue. So you're an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. You know what? I never thought of it that way. That's what you are, right? <laughs> uh, that, that thing, I, I, you just opened my mind to something. Oh, I, cool. I, hey, no problem, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I just coined a phrase. I'll let you use it for five cents every time you use it. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do my, my own little entrepreneurial thing. Uh, no, no, but, no, but really though, so, so you, don't, you don't ever, because I, I was just going to ask you this as you were going down that path. I was going to ask you the question, aren't you going to someday need employees? And you actually answered it in what you were saying. And the answer is no, you don't want employees. You want partners in what you're doing. Absolutely. Which means you want to be an entrepreneur that encourages entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Gotcha. I want, I want like, let's say um, like, for instance, my graphic artist, she's been, she's been getting work for me for two years now. And, Um, she finally came out, uh, I don't know, about three months ago, four months ago, something like that. And goes, you know, can we make this more of a permanent thing? And I, then I let her know, Hey, absolutely. But not in the way you think. And if you're this, let's do it. And she's like, that sounds totally interesting. Let's, let's do it. So, and then, um, so you were letting her know that, no, I don't want you as an employee. I want you as a partner, but I will. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. 
and and we'll we'll bring in business together and we'll share business together and and not only will you you know if you become a partner not only will you make money on your projects but you'll share in the revenue of the entire company right and and, and that's what that's what actually a lot of the world is missing to be quite honest you know um, go back to when you were working uh, in title and in REO. I mean, that's what you're missing. You were the worker bee. You weren't sharing in the company's success. You were responsible for the company's success, but not sharing in it, right? Absolutely. And so what you're encouraging now is you're encouraging these people saying, no, 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 don't work for me, work for you, but work with me. And that word with versus for is huge in that sentence. I agree. Yeah, I, I hear I you. I absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I, I would, you know, and I, I believe... You know, I, I always, you know, I always talk, you know, now I work, I, I, I don't work in a corporate world, but I, you know, where I work, I always believed that, you know, when, when I first started, I was just staff and I never wanted to be a manager. I never wanted to deal with that crap. And then I realized one day that I, somebody has to do it correctly. And I know that's really arrogant <laughs> of me to say, but it, that doesn't mean it was me, but that means if it's not that person and nobody else is stepping up, then God damn it, it's me, right? I mean, that's that's the way I looked at it. And not to be arrogant about it, but I was like, somebody's got to be thinking of us. And, you know, somebody has to be willing to fight. Somebody has to be willing to do that so that everybody else shares in that success. And and I learned, I learned that there are three things you don't fuck with in that corporate environment. As a manager, right? And I don't believe in management. I believe in leadership. But as a manager, you you, ne- you don't fuck with their schedule, right? You don't fuck with vacation, right? And you and you never fuck with pay. Period. Those are the three things. You never and, and if you don't fuck with any one of those three, somebody needs some time off. God damn it, give them the time off. Figure it out. If somebody needs a change of schedule because of school or or um, or uh, daycare, you know what? Fucking figure it out. That's your job as a manager, as a leader, right? If somebody is working hard for you, God damn it, get them more pay. That's your job. And that, when you take any one of those three things away, you ruin morale. And that's what happens in the corporate world. And that's what you dealt with. All the time. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just this, it's this business as usual mindset that, that to me is, is it kills me. You, you have so many people out there that like you, you spoke about managers yeah. and, and managers are, are in a, in an awkward place because they're, they're oftentimes middle management. Yep. So they're taking all the crap. They're taking crap from the top down. You know and they're what? Taking crap from the bottom up. That's what they fucking signed up for. That's too fucking bad. If you don't like it, don't do it. For. That's my, and that's my take on it. If you don't like it, don't do it. It's what you signed up for. If you're not happy with what you fucking signed up for, then maybe you shouldn't have fucking done it. You took it for the money. And that's the way I always look at it. You took it for the money. If you're not happy with what you did, then maybe you shouldn't be in that spot. And that's why I, that's where I looked at it. And I'm like, okay, this person well, is. See, I a, disagree. I disagree that everybody falls in that boat. Of course not. Everybody does. But, you know, uh, let's, can we agree that majority <laughs> fall into that boat? I, th- I think that that would be fair to say. Um, but um, a lot like politics, right? I right. think that. I think that um, a lot of a lot of politicians are young and idealistic, and they start out that way. Yeah, and they, and they, they really over are time. trying to. They are really trying to make change when it first starts out, and then what happens is you get sucked into this machine, and then there's no way out. Well, and right? then and then there's there's other things you got to deal with, and they're they're kind of middle management in that way. You know, you have to. 
you have to cater to your base, but then you also got to get votes. And so you're right. stuck in between those two. It's the same. I, I, I believe it's the same thing. I totally agree. And then what happens is you start making decisions that one aren't the best for yourself and two aren't the best for your people. Correct. Um, and, and to me, that was always a problem too, especially in middle management, because you, you have the, the problem is, especially in the corporate world today, everything is a race to the bottom just to hit the number. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, totally. So, so nobody is really doing meaningful work. Um, and that to me is what sucks. And that's why I like what I do now, because I, I would much rather work with a group of 50 to a hundred clients than run out and build the biggest thing in the world. Right. Right. For so sure. if, if like, for instance, you gotta think about this, think about it this way. Um, if you go into the mindset and you're you're the star you're the you're the CEO of Starbucks coffee and you think to yourself, I want everybody in the world to drink the best coffee there is, mm-hmm. right? Then you need a Starbucks on every corner, and then you need to um, then you need to settle for shitty pastries because you can't get the supply chain right, right? Um, and, and all that stuff, and and that's just how it works, right? Or or you can choose to work with a small group of people that really want to do meaningful work. And that's where, that's where I fit in. It's a and matter I, of how you, me- how you measure success. It is how you measure yeah. success, right? Yeah. And Some people, you're yeah. talking a difference between measuring success on the bottom line, which is the Starbucks model, or measuring success in terms of personal accomplishment and how I feel about that. Fulfillment and happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, fulfillment and happiness. I, I, yeah, I agree completely. And, and because I already did the other side and I hated it. Yeah, and it, it paid me a lot more. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but what what am I? What am I? At the end of the day, to me, is like, what am I working for? Right. I'm I'm spending the biggest chunk of my life miserable and trading it for money. Right. No, I hear you. And I I've always fallen into the category, and I, maybe there's like nine people that fall in this category. I, even as a, as, as somebody who was a staff person, I wasn't afraid to yell at my boss. And, and, and I, I always felt, you know, I work hard. My work speaks for itself. I wasn't afraid to put myself in that position when I felt it was right. And, and I work, I work in an environment now where I can, I can go barge into my boss's office and tell him, I need this. I need it right fucking now. I need you to make it happen. And if you're not going to make it happen, I'll go to the vice president and I'll let him know. Not that you won't make it happen, but that I need this. And I'll walk into his office and I'll walk into the president. I don't give a shit. And I'm in a position, I, I work where I work now in, in an area where I feel like that's appreciated and that's encouraged. It's a, hey, yeah. you know, I, I've been told, I've been told by a vice president one time, hey, you know what? I think you need to grieve me. You need to file a grievance. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because if you don't file a grievance, we don't have to deal with it. But if you file a grievance and he told me, he's like, I'm not afraid of it. File a grievance. Then I have to deal with it. He's like, so go file. And I never had to, but I just, I've never had anybody above me say, Hey, file a grievance. I won't be mad, but force us to deal with that issue. So going back to what you said a little bit ago, yeah. that was leadership over management. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's leadership is where you're, you know, you, management is you're told what to tell your people. You tell your people that and your people get pissed off and you can't do anything about it. Leadership is going, Hey guys, you know what? I'll fight for you. And I know what I'm, you know, I know where our value is. Let me fight for our value. 
Right. And the other thing is, especially in, in that environment, is it, to me, it shouldn't have to be a fight. Correct. But but a lot of times it does. It has to be. You know, a lot of times it's got to be. You know, there's red tape and, you know, you know where I work now and where, I, you know, I work in the community college system now and there's so much red tape, you know. Exactly. I, getting, something, right. get, getting something paid so for is takes months if I'm, if I'm not sitting there threatening people. And I'm, yeah, and I'm threatening them by, you know, simply saying, well, you know, let me just copy the president on this. And boom, all of a sudden it gets handled. And I'm like, why did I have to copy him? Why did I have to bug him? Why couldn't exactly. you just do it? Yeah. I think that, that the world of I need to copy these people and personal and right. so is I ridiculous. Can't live in that world. Yeah, no, I it's ridiculous. I, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. You know, but I mean, at the same time, where, where I work, it's not a corporate style environment. It's, it's not like, you know, it's not like when you were working in, in title and escrow and, and REO, it's, it's not like that where, you know, the person above you doesn't really give a shit about you. They give a shit about your numbers and they only give a shit about your numbers because they get a piece of that commission and some of that commission gets kicked up to the person above them who they are also responsible to. And you know what I mean? There's a big chain there that, that gets completely fucked up. And by the time you get to the bottom, they just, there's no morale. They feel like shit. Yeah. You know, so that that's my thing. You know, I'm trying my best not to make those people that work for me and with me feel like shit. So I fight for them as much as I can because without them, I look like shit. You know, they make me look good so that I can look up above me and go, hey, we look good. You know, any, anytime I get praised through an email, I immediately reply and copy everybody that works with me and for me on it. And I'm like, hey, it wasn't me. It was these guys. Thank you guys. You know, I always make sure and do that. You got to give credit where credit's due. That's how people work well. You know, you got to make sure you, it's got to be a team, you know, and I guess what the, the going back to, you know, bringing it full circle back to the model that you have now where it's not their work. They're not working for you. They're working with you. They're being partners with you. That's where that comes. That's where that morale comes in. Everybody well, gets yeah. to share in the success. Everybody gets to share in the success, and and there is going to be discourse. I mean, and this is where this is where I actually enjoy the model is because no matter where no matter where you work or what you do, you bring more than two people together. There's going to be some sort of discourse at a at any particular time. But disagreement not, is not a bad thing. It's how no, everybody it's handles thing. it. Yeah, it's how everybody it, handles it that that is that can be bad. Exactly, and. To your point, when you have a when you have a team that's pulling for each other, right? Then then good things happen. Um, whether that and by good, it doesn't mean that you necessarily get your way, but you don't you don't have to go through all the same stresses and headaches to get to the solution, right? And what you're yes, saying is, if your team all knows that everybody's working together for a a an agreed upon purpose. And nobody's wavering from that. No matter what happens above, you guys all know that you're on the same page. Well, we're on the same page. Right. We're, we're gonna we're gonna make it through right, wrong, or indifferent. Right, for sure. And so the other thing is, so and I'll even um, I'll even take that to, when we when we were going when we were back in in title and we were all together and it was still new and it was at I mean mm -hmm. we. That was the first time where I actually felt that I worked on a dream team and right. knew that that model could work. Right. Now, yeah, yeah, for right? sure. Because we had a group of similarly minded, like minded people mm -hmm. that that were all going in the same direction 
and shooting for the same types of things and gave a shit about the job that they were doing. Right. For sure. Right. And it worked. It worked better than I've ever seen it. And that was starting from, from Jerry on down to the assistant. I don't know. I was never a big fan of Jerry. (laughs) I won't, I won't lie. Well, Jerry allowed it all to happen and that's all that needed to happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I, I know where you're coming from, though. So <laughs> there's a whole there, yeah. There's a whole different conversation about that that is irrelevant. And it's not. It's not that I didn't like somebody as a person. I didn't like the way somebody managed. And back then, I I was I was learning that the system. You know, I was learning not not the title escrow system, but I was learning management versus leadership and how you fight for those people and what you do. And and I was like, you know, I, I didn't feel that. You know, I felt that I felt that camaraderie among the four of us. And there were four of us at the time in that unit, in that room. Uh, There was you, me, Joe and Mario. Right. Um, Right, And I I felt that there. But outside of that room, I didn't feel it. It it didn't exist to me. And, And I, you know, and at the time I didn't know what it was, although it bothered me. Now I can look back and I know exactly what it was and where it was and I get it. And whether I'm happy with it or not. I understand it now and I can, I can learn from that and I can apply that, that I can take that negative aspect and I can apply, I can apply it in a positive way where I'm at now. You know, now you make a great point. You, I'm, you, I'm glad you said that because you make an absolutely powerful point. And that's in this day and age, if you are over 40 and you do decide that, you know what, I, I want to start over from the beginning. The cool thing is, is, you have all that experience, experience to draw and insight from. and expertise behind you that you can absolutely either partner with the young professional and, and help them move something forward and do something together. Mentor. Or you, you, and mentor yeah. them. Or you can even do it all. You, you can go out and compete with those guys and kick the living shit out of them in most cases. Yeah, because you have that expertise in that past and you have – you know, I've always, I've always believed, and I even I tell my students now, you can learn more from a negative experience, in my opinion, than you can from a positive experience. Because you can see okay. that negative experience, and you can see all the shit that went wrong, and all the stuff you shouldn't have done, and you can not do that. And all of a sudden, guess what? The next person that deals with you has a positive experience, right? Just just with that. Agreed. So there was when I was in corporate, and I was um, a manager. My one of my favorite questions in interviews was always, so when was there a time where you could see the writing on the wall that a shit storm was coming? Mm-hmm. How did you, and you knew it was going to be all bad. How did you manage and react? How did you take that in, react to it right. and manage to make it a positive? Yeah. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And you know, what's funny is I only had one person in all my interviews actually answer that in in a way that was honest, and that person got the job. Well, that's, like, a, that's a what? hard question to answer, even for me. That's a hard question yeah. to answer because you know, like my answer is, it didn't happen right then. It happened years later for me, yeah. but but so, it happened years after my eyes were opened and I was able to draw back on all these experiences and go, okay, well. I'm not going to do this. Instead of doing that, I'm going to do this. That'll change that. Instead of doing this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep this because that was positive. Instead of doing this, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? And then I take all of those and I put them together. That's a hard question for anybody to answer, I think. 
Yeah. So let me give what, what happened to me and this fight went on and I was working in title and it was in that Irvine spectrum office. Right. Uh-huh. And one day we're working away and I, it was, it was a crazy time of the month or something like, I don't remember exactly, but anyways, one of the loan officers that thought he was a big old hot shot sends over an email that he manipulated the header. Oh yeah. And, and I caught it and I was pissed. I was literally, I honestly asked Joe, I was ready to get in my car, drive down the street and go (laughs) kick this guy's ass. I literally was, I was so heated That's funny. and, and Joe's like, dude, chill, chill, chill. So I, I, it was funny. I got in my chair and I was sitting in my chair and I crossed my legs. Like I was sitting all Zen style for a second, just to make a <laughs> joke out of it real quick. Right. And I gathered myself in really quick. And then I just kind of entered his email in a way where I was like, Hey, this must've been a mistake the information I have shows this. Can you let me know what's going on? Here's what I know. And here's how we can fix it. And then it was immediately obvious to the guy that I caught on to what was going on. Right. Without you calling him out on it. Exactly. He answers the question, apologizes for what, you know, what the way he approached it. Mm -hmm. We solved the problem. We closed the deal. Everything's good. And two days later, I'm getting I'm getting a message from the county manager saying that the dude reached out to him and said, you guys never you need to never let this guy go. And and please make sure that he handles all of my escalated stuff. Right on. You know, you know, it's funny. You bring something you, you mentioned something really important there. And it's, it's, you know, something that you see like on Facebook and Instagram all the time, how you can't control how people treat you, but you can control how you react to it. Yes. And that's what you did. You yes. you changed the reaction and the way that you reacted to it changed the tone of the conversation. It changes everything. And I don't think people realize that, you know, oftentimes, you know, I'll type a text and then I'll read the text back and I'll be like, well, that didn't sound right. You know, because I didn't take the time to think about it, you know, but in a work email, I'll write a work email. I'll save it as a draft. I'll go get lunch. I'll come back. I'll reread the email, reword the email and make sure that it that the tone of the email is appropriate before I send it off. Sure. And I don't think that people do that a lot of times. I agree. I, I think that you're right. And I it becomes that- a miscommunication and it, you know, it becomes somebody not even necessarily trying to exert authority, but somebody just doesn't think about, you know, you have a hundred things to do and this is one of them. And you should take the same amount of time on all hundred things. But for some reason you didn't take that time on this one and it came across wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe, maybe he was trying to manipulate it or maybe he had, maybe you were number, you know, 50 of a hundred things he had to do. And it was to type this off and send it. And okay, next onto the next. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe it wasn't. But then your reply made him sit back and go, ah, shit, you know what? I fucked up. I, I need to handle that better. Right, right, and I think that's and huge. It 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 makes a big difference. Yeah, um, I I think that one of the one of the things that helped me learn that one was being a father. Um, oh yeah, because you know the you, there's days where you come home, you've had a long day, you're you're at your wit's end, and your kids just trying to get a little bit of your attention because you've got you've got very little time to give in the first right. place, and. 
everything inside you just wants to snap and say, go to your room, shut the hell up. Mm -hmm. And you have to gather yourself, put your arms around them and say, hey, bud, how's it going? How's your day? And you got to remind yourself, hey, this isn't their fault. (laughs) Exactly. This is me. Yeah. No, and I, I learned that as a dad. I mean, now I'm not perfect with it, but I got to learn this. You know, we've all we've we've all as parents learned that same. Well, I've snapped, I've snapped too, so yeah. I know. <laughs> and we're we're never perfect about it, but I totally understand. I think any parent listening will totally understand and identify with that. That you know what you know you you come home and you're stressed out. They don't know you're stressed out. They don't they yeah. don't even catch on to that. Even my you know my teenage kid, my teenage son doesn't he doesn't recognize if I've got a hundred things on my mind. His, I walk in the door, his first question is, Hey, what's for dinner? And I'm like, ah, I'm like, son of a bitch. And then I have to stop and go, you know, he doesn't know how my day's been. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so your just, kid's been talking to my kid then? Yeah, they have- <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same, bro. It, it doesn't, it doesn't change one kid to another, but, I'm but no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's, it's the same, it's the same regardless of that, you know, and, and you have to take, I think unfortunately, in, in a business environment, let's take corporate entrepreneurial out of it in a business environment, you have to take all of that out of it. And you have to remember, just like I have to leave work at the door, and I have to leave home at the door. You have to do the same thing with each interaction. And we don't all do it perfect. But I think we need, you know, remembering that and working on that has, you know, I've, I've taken great strides in that. You know, I come in the door and I'm like, you know, I walk in the door and the first thing I, you know, it's not, Hey dad, how was your day? Hey dad, I love you. It's Hey dad, what's for dinner? And I'm like, ah, motherfucker. I'm like, I don't know. What do you want, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta take that deep breath and do it. You know, it's oh, the same thing. Absolutely. Look, man, all I know is that if you're over 40, and you come to this crossroads, whether it be forced or you're just unhappy or whatever it is, there are opportunities out there um, in this day and age that you can make things happen. Sometimes it's a fear thing. Sometimes it's a, it's a, I have so many responsibilities and I'm, I'm right. just not willing to take that. You may not be afraid of it, but you're just not willing to make that, take that plunge. That's okay too. But know that you're not alone. It's happening to a lot of us. Um, I, I never, re- I mean, I remember my, my grandmother at a point in time when I was younger and she was trying to look for a job and, and she was saying how, you know, no one was going to hire her and how it was tough. And I didn't mm-hmm. understand it at the time. I'm just like, Oh, well, you, it, if you can do the job, you should have no problem getting a job. Right. I right. To where, to where now I understand, I absolutely understand that you can always get younger, faster, stronger, cheaper. Right. Yeah, for and, sure. And and that's the way of the world. Um, doesn't make it right. It's just, it is what it is. And I think that if, if it's something that crosses your mind, if it's something where you think I might be willing to try that, give it a whirl, even if it is as a side hustle, even if it is as something where, you know, from, from six o'clock to, to 10 o'clock, you, you put in a few hours right. and, and you, um, you know, sell some shit online or, you know, you, you start a podcast and get some advertising, um, dollars or you, you know, or maybe you even just become a mentor or a business coach. Well, and I think you made a great point. You made a, you made a few great points earlier. Let me see if I can sum them up. Um, the, the first great point I think you made was, was that 
you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You didn't say it that way, but if I could sum it up that way, you need to be comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable. You need to be okay taking the loss. You need to, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my garage right now because this is Garage Talk PC, right? So I'm yep. sitting in my garage. I'm staring at my boat. That would be the first thing to go. Right. If, if I needed to do it and that's what I wanted to do and I needed to sell something, boom. First thing to go, boat. Sell that. You can get another one later, right? You can get, you know, I can get a cheaper boat. I can, you know, I can go on. I can get a friend who's got a boat, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you, you hit, you hit on that. And I think that was a great point. And, and I don't think we spent enough time on it. That was real early on in this podcast and believe it or not, we're actually an hour in already. Well, dude, that's crazy, but you make a great point. And a question you asked earlier too, was to the younger generation, what advice would you give? That was where and I was headed with this. Cause my, the that, second thing was the second thing was that you didn't say it out. You didn't say it right off the bat, but I think we did touch on it. And the, the second point that, that was a good point, I think, that, that occurred was that if you're looking at something in the future, start planning it now. Start it as the side hustle. You know, if, if, if you're working at company A and you want to do B, you know what? Get started on B right now without giving up A. That way, because that's what happened with you. You had made those contacts. You had done that stuff. So it was a much easier transition to go from A to B. Whereas when I just lost my job, it was a tough transition right there. Even though I had the contacts and knew what to do, it was a tough transition because I wasn't prepared prior to. So prepare, you know, be comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable, be prepared, be ready. If it's something you want to do, Start doing it like GR said, start doing it as a side hustle now. And then if it works out and you want to do it and you want to go into that, you have the opportunity. If you don't start, if you don't start thinking along those lines, then when the time comes, you're not necessarily going to be successful at it in your mind. You're going to feel, uh, you're going to feel like a failure. You feel like you, you didn't, you didn't make that successful transition. And it's not because you didn't make the successful transition. It's because you weren't prepared to make the transition. Well, see, I, I agree with that to an extent. And and here's where here's where I think I may draw a little bit of a different parallel. Yeah, is, go ahead. Is that don't be afraid to get it wrong till you get it right either. Oh, I agree. And that means and, and that means look, if if one day you wake up and you feel like a failure, that just means you're human. It doesn't mean you're a failure. You know, and but it's that failure that often drive them back to what they left so, in the first place, and that's that's I, I what I'm it. trying to get at and be prepared so that you know, like in your case, Gr, you don't need to run back. You were prepared. You know, now you were lucky enough that, it, it, and I say lucky enough, and maybe it's not lucky enough, but I'm going to use the terminology anyway. You were lucky enough that you started it in 2011, but you still felt like I need to provide, I need to provide, I need to provide. So for seven more years, you provided. And in that period of time, in that seven years, you began to grow AppTech. And then when you made that transition, it made it a lot easier. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go seven years, but I'm saying don't quit today and start the next thing tomorrow. Start the next thing today, quit in a week, you know, that quit in a month. That's what I'm saying. Start today and see where that goes and see if that looks promising. Um, if it doesn't look promising, reevaluate. You know, I mean, because we all have bills to pay, you know, we have, you know, you got rent, you got mortgage, you got to keep the electricity on, you got to do that kind of stuff. You know, we all have bills to pay. We got to make sure that we can survive. So make sure you can survive. And if you can survive on it, then it's a matter of being comfortable with being a little uncomfortable temporarily. That's kind of where I was going with it. 
Sure, sure, absolutely agree. And so what I'm saying is, to to those that that can't, don't have that luxury, right. and you know, there there are ways to do it, right? There there there's always a way to make money these days, um, and so you don't even necessarily need to get back into that corporate job. Scale back and and work at McDonald's. Oh yeah, no, for sure. They'll scale back and and do those things that because I'll tell you what, AppTech Group would never have been able to be successful unless I made that break. And I'll tell you what, right. and that's why I decided because here's the thing is that first week I, I had struggled always when I was when I was doing the nine to five. I always struggled to get meaningful jobs because I my my priority was the job, right? Right. And that made your time and, limited. And it made the time yeah. limited. It got, when 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 you make that decision, and, and you say that okay, I need to do this like I need oxygen. Right. It's amazing what happens that first week. I got three clients. That no, I hear first, you. I hear you. I totally so understand that. Yeah. No. It, no. I get it, that. It, it goes both ways, and and I'm not trying to detract from what you're saying because no, I understand what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I got you. If you're if you're in a if you're in a situation where it's I gotta pay the rent or I gotta start a business, pay the rent. Right. No, and I'm not I'm not trying to say pay the rent or the business. I'm saying I'm saying if you're in a situation where the business isn't paying the rent, do what you gotta do to pay the rent. But if you really Always. want that business, go for that business. Don't give that up. Yeah, that that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that going back to the being uncomfortable. Um, absolutely agree with that. And just, there's a light at the end of the tunnel too. And I'll tell you what, in this, to this day, I, I remember, I remember a friend of my wife sitting here and saying it was, it was after the 2008 crash. Uh huh. And she goes, man, remember when you guys had nothing but money? <laughs> I was like, it kind of hurt, right? <laughs> right. That's like she up. And, um, and it was just like, yeah, I remember those days, but at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't trade those days now at all. Like I would much rather have less money and just that fulfillment and happiness that. So wait, what you're saying and for the listeners, what GR is saying, if he could go back, he'd have started earlier. Oh, hundred percent. That's what he's saying. And that's an important statement. So let's make that statement. That's where you're headed. And that's an important thing to say. You were saying it softly, but let's be, let's be, let's be real, you know? So, so you're talking right now to not just the, you know, Hey, I'm 40. I'm thinking about this. You're talking to, you're talking to somebody who's 22, 23, and they're trying to figure out what to do. You're saying fucking go do it. Go do and it. And especially, especially, especially if you're at 22, 23. Yeah. Take the shot. Take the shot. If you're going to fail, fail at 22, 23 for sure, because that's the best, that's the best time. I mean, we've all failed, right? We that's all failed. You need to do while you're failing. Yeah. In we, my mind. we all fail and you learn to pick yourself back up, but that's the time. That's the time because especially if you're going to, if you're going to build something and you know what you want to do, don't fall into that corporate shit at 22 and 23 when you know where you want to be. And that goes back to the other point that you made. Hey, stay at home just a little bit longer. Build that. Build it. Stay at home a little bit longer. Shack up with five of your buddies and, and right. eat the damn top ramen. Exactly. Um, and, and and bust your ass. And but and that's the other thing yeah. is it's not going to happen overnight. So 
bust your ass, be patient. Um, like, like I said, it wasn't going to happen in two months. Right. You know? Right. Um, it's, it's, it's now going to be my second year and it got to a point where now I have clients that, that pay on a monthly basis. I'm not chasing, always chasing projects. Right. And, and I have people referring me, um, today I had, I had a phone call where I was doing some research for one of my clients I was talking to the software company. One of the guys that works at the software company turns around, calls me back and says, Hey, I know another company uh, that I used to work for. I'd like to refer them to you. Right. For to sure. Work as a vendor. So now you're, you, you've got all these things going on that you never thought were possible um, when you first started. And, and it's, it's taken this two years but now it's at a point where it's like, all right, what do the next two years have in store? What do right, the next yeah, for 20 sure. years have in store? And also to the point where five years ago, I was doing that retire talk. In my brain, it mm-hmm. was, where am I going to play golf for the next 20, <laughs> right. 20 30 years? Sure. That's all I cared about. How much money am I going to be able to spend? What trips am I going to be able to take? Mm-hmm. That's what was on my mind. And now I don't ever want to stop working. No, and that's totally cool. And I mean, and the other thing that you kind of just mentioned that it, it sparked something in my head, and it's it goes back to the actually the younger generation. I mean, the the forty year old per, changing you know professions uh, at forty, we all had a dream, right? And and you never stop driving for your dream. You never stop striving for that dream. That's that's what entrepreneurialism is all about. Is is trying to get from point A to point B, point B being that dream. And along that way, you discover you have new dreams. Absolutely. And I, I definitely agree with that. You know, we give up our dreams too soon when, I agree when we, when we get into these um, jobs that are just life sucking and, you know, not for some people that's great, but there, there are the dreamers out there that are like, you know, there's more to it. And when you start to let that get taken away, mm-hmm. that's where you start to lose yourself. Right. And again, there, there are so many things out there that lead to the negative side of the way. Addiction's a big problem. And I think that within two or three connections, I can connect that dream being taken away to addiction. Yeah. No, I, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. You know, somebody drinking a little too much cause they just don't have it anymore. They just don't have, they never got to where they wanted to be in life. And they, and, and, and honestly, you, you can get in that corporate world and you can make $300,000 a year and never get to where you wanted to be and still feel like a failure. And, and be totally miserable. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. You know, now in, in all fairness, I mean, you know, cause you know, I'm not an entrepreneur. Um, there was a time where I, I headed down that road and I was like, eh, let me just stay where I'm at. Um, and I did that by choice, not because it was just to pay the mortgage. It was, it became a choice of, well, I'm, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. I, I choose this. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that's stuck in a life sucking job. And, and so I can speak from experience that not every job is a life sucking job. I've had them, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've had them, but I don't have one now. And, you know, for those people that are real happy with what they do, if you're in the corporate world and you're real happy with what you do and you, and you don't feel like it's that kind of a job that we're talking about, good for you. That's cool. No big deal. 
Right. For those of you that have your dream and your dream became what we're considering a life-sucking job, but you don't think of it that way, good for you. Totally cool. If you are somebody who 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 went through that world and has switched from, you know, not profession to profession, but maybe, you know, uh, different areas within your field. See, my, my job has different areas within my field that I can, I can work in. And I found the area that is, that does not feel like a life sucking job to me. It's, it becomes a passion. Good for you. Totally cool. I'm with you on that. Um, for those of you who feel like you need to do something more, you want to, you have, you have a drive to do something. You know what? Don't let that drive stale. Let that drive drive you. That doesn't mean give up your nine to five right away. It means don't give up the dream, right? It does mean don't give up the dream. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that, you know, when, when push comes to shove, the, the worst thing is to be regretful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, you can start that as a side hustle if you need to right now, but start it. Don't, 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 don't give it up. Don't, you know, I mean, I, I've had hobbies, um, that have been outside and I thought a couple times, you know, cause I, you know, I wrote the couple short films and stuff like that. And I did the filming and stuff and I thought, Oh, you know, maybe I could do this. And I thought to myself, you know, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to sit. Oh, right. I don't want to sit in front of a computer editing all day. I enjoy it every now and then. But I don't want to have to do that. And that was the same with BizTech. Joe and I didn't want to have to do that. That would have required sitting in front of the computer coding all the time. We didn't want to do that. Neither one of us wanted to do that. We liked it as a side hustle. And when, when it came time to have to make that decision and we were like, well, we either do this full time or we shut it down, we decided, you know what, we'll shut it down because... We, we, we had a conversation about it over drinks and we both decided we don't want to sit in front of this computer the rest of our lives. This is not what I want to do. I, I would love yeah. to own the business, but I don't want to be the one doing this work. And that requires bringing on employees and so on and so on. And we didn't want to deal with that. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and shut it down. It wasn't the dream that we had. It was just something that we were really good at that we could make money at. And we decided to do it. And we were in we happened to catch it at a time where we could charge $10,000 and we could make, you know, we could make $40,000 on our side hustle over six months. And we were right. like, well, shit, you know, we'll put, we'll put a third of that back into the business and we'll each take, you know, another third each. And, you know, that's just mad money. And so we were cool with that. And when it came time for it, that wasn't the dream that we necessarily had. You know what I mean? But if yeah. you guys, if you guys do have a dream, you know, don't give up your dream. Go get your dream. Go do your thing. Go, you know, have a great time. You know, I mean, if you, you know, it's, it's a matter of, you know, it's, it reminds me of pretty woman. Welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? Yeah, I mean, serious. I mean, it's a matter of what do you want to do? You know, go do it. You know, I'll be last with that, but it's it, true. In its essence, yeah. it, it is true. It is. What, what is your dream? What is it that drives you? What is it that gets you up in the morning? Because yeah, I I will honestly put in an eighteen hour day sometimes, and yeah, I'm tired at the end of the day, but it's totally worth it. Right? No, I totally hear you. You know, and like, I mean, take podcasting. I I am not sitting here trying to monetize my podcast. I'm not. Exactly. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to do that. That's not why I do this. If I, I'd rather have listen listeners and followers than the money out of it. I make plenty of money doing what I'm doing. My schedule's great. I love what I do. I have a passion for it. 
I'm, I'm, I'm totally happy right there. And if I looked back, you know, if I go back to when I was a kid, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I had like a, you know, a a dream of owning a business or owning a company. I mean, if somebody wants to sponsor my podcast, Hey bro, sponsor the shit out of my podcast. I'm cool with that, (laughs) but I'm not out here trying to monetize it. And I, I see all these other podcasts and all they do is give you ad after ad, after ad, after ad. If somebody approached me, sure. And, and, and it seemed right. Sure. But I'm not here doing that for that. You know, I'm doing that, you know, we talked about it before. I'm doing that because we've had these conversations sitting around in my garage or in somebody else's garage. And we wanted to share them with everybody else because you and I could have this pod, have this podcast conversation for an hour and a half on the phone. Sure. And we've had conversations like this on the phone where we just go back and forth and back and forth. Might as well do it here, you know? So that's my thing. It's a blast. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Well, sure. All right. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. If, uh, if you have questions or comments, you want to contact me, you can contact me at garagetalkpc at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at uh, garagetalkpc or on Facebook, garagetalkpc as well. Um, we post every week. Um, GR, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you guys have questions uh, for GR, you can contact him through aptechgroup.com. Spell it for me again, GR. So you can get me at hello at aptechgroup.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-K-G-R-O-U-P.com. Hello at aptechgroup.com. All right. If you guys have questions for him, I'll tell you what, Aptech, I refer Aptech all the time. Uh, I don't know how many people contact them. I actually just referred you, uh, I just mentioned you on a, another podcast. I didn't mention you by name, but I was like, they were talking about something. I'm like, hey, I got a guy. Appreciate <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I listened to that. Yeah. I actually listened to that episode. I heard that. Yeah. I got a big cheesy grin, bro. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm like, I got a guy. So uh, honestly, I mean, uh, shoot them a contact. They do something like every other Thursday. I think this Thursday night in Old Town, they're doing something. I don't know. Um, it might be worth you showing up, bro. Uh, quite honestly, just being like, Hey, and you can introduce yourself to those two ladies and let them know who I am and let them know that you're the guy that I refer. They'll, they'll totally remember. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the ups. Absolutely. Um, referrals are always appreciated and I love them. Thanks for having me on. Um, and we'll see you next time. man. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.